Coming up on today's show, it is the second annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We'll hear from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as he makes remarks in Niagara Falls. We'll speak with Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, and get his take on what's happened over the course of the past year. And we'll also have a roundtable discussion about the past year. Is it a day, it is a day to remember, to grieve, to take another step along healing, but it is also a day for non-Indigenous peoples to recognize that you should not have to carry this burden alone. How many times do Indigenous peoples need to tell their stories of trauma, of loss, of pain, of grief, until we absorb those stories as non-Indigenous people and make them our own because they too are the story of Canada and therefore they too are the story of each of us. We talk about what happened in residential schools where systematically, deliberately, Indigenous children were taught that they had no worth, no value, no value to their language, to their culture, to their identity, to their traditional knowledge, to their aunties and elders' teachings. That was what residential schools did to generations of Indigenous people who carry that trauma still today. But let us not forget that every single school across this country through all those decades was also a residential school in the way that it taught non-Indigenous people that Indigenous people had no worth, had no culture, had no language. And we carry that untruth in our learnings directly from when we were kids in school. But we carry also that learning built into the very stones of our institutions, to the systems that surround us. Lack of value, of respect, of celebration of indigenous languages, culture and identity is woven into the fabric of every part of this country because for so, ye so many years it was taught the same way it was being taught in horrific ways or attempted to be taught in horrific ways to indigenous kids in residential schools. So this day is not just about indigenous people or indigenous uh, reconciliation. It is about truth. And that truth is we all need to open our eyes to the truth of how Canada evolved and came to be and how we need to make deliberate choices to undo the falsehoods and the wrongness that is part of it. But when I look this beautiful park filled with hopeful positive faces, strong indigenous children allies of every different background as Canada represents in the best of it. 
we know we are on the right track. We are on the path, and it is going to take many years. But we must today and every day rededicate ourselves to that. And what a privilege to be able to do it this morning in the presence of Phyllis Webstadt, whose courage in sharing her own story helped mobilize people, including all of us, across this country. I look out into this crowd, and every orange shirt is an act of solidarity with Phyllis's story and the experience of survivors. As soon as Phyllis shared the story of her own orange shirt, it began to spread and spread. It resonated deeply with people. It symbolized the pain of residential schools, the way Indigenous children were stripped of their culture, their language, their connections to their families, were prevented from hearing their parents say, I love you, and learning how to say it to their own kids years later. So people across Canada in solidarity and in allyship started wearing orange shirts. This is an important indigenous-led grassroots movement. It helped build momentum towards our country establishing the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And part of the reason we do it this month in September, because it was this time of year that indigenous children would go to school to be taken away from their homes, from their families, some to never return. In the sharing circle earlier, I heard September is a time of tears. Tears for the kids, alone and lonely in residential schools. Tears for the parents who are unable to give their kids the love, the protection, the support that they so needed. Tears from aunties, grandfathers and grandmothers watching their kids lose that precious time with them, the precious teachings and sharings that they had learned from their aunties and grandparents going back millennia. second uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day in our country, and we're spending the morning talking about some of the issues surrounding that and, and also about the course of the past year. Uh, one of the voices we've leaned on a lot over the past year and uh, the audience has really, really enjoyed and responded to is Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, as you know him, and uh, he's agreed to spend some time with us this morning once again. So Marcel, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us as always, sir. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Gotcha. Yeah, you're okay. I'll turn you up a little bit, but yeah, it's good. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot of things we want to talk about. First of all, how are you, friend? How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling better. I had a little uh, little health scare there, but I'm dealing with it. Um, feeling better. Getting some rest. Good. Good. What does um, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation mean to you? Um, it gives me hope. It uh, it means that. Uh, a lot of the wrongs that were committed against uh, our different tribes of native people across Turtle Island are starting to be recognized and acknowledged and um, understood. Um, is I think a lot of people struggle on the best way to to recognize the day. Um, is it attending an event? 
it, I, I think speaking with people like you is the best thing you can do and getting that education and understanding. But how would you encourage people to, to spend today? Well, to um, get educated is probably about the best way we can we can um, honor truth and reconciliation and in Indian residential school experience is to educate ourselves and to look after our own healing. We talk about uh, intergenerational trauma and, and things like that that our communities are going through, and that's real. Um, but we also deal with um, intergenerational ignorance, intergenerational racism. And so we really have to look at ourselves as individuals, whether we're Native or European or otherwise, and look look at how we approach people in our lives, because each and every one of us, we deserve love, kindness, and respect, each, each and every one of us as human beings. And so a lot of the times we deal with um, negativity when we speak about Aboriginal issues or Indigenous issues. We talk about it on social media and we're lambasted and we face a lot of uh, uh, negativity. But uh, the reality is, um, if we want this world we live in to change and we become the change, we have to look at ourselves. And for myself, uh, my grandpa, my dad's dad went to residential school. He met my grandmother in the residential school. And they had 16 children, and they brought the teachings that they experienced in residential school, which weren't very positive, home. And they they talked with corporal punishment and and a very, very difficult hand and passed that kind of teaching down generations onto us, right? And so we have to unlearn. We have to unlearn those behaviors. We have to unlearn those teachings and find it in our hearts, to uh, our, our authentic selves, without all the pain and, and suffering. And so I think it, the more we can as individuals look at ourselves, whether it's truth and reconciliation or others, or what have you, um, the world will become a better place here, especially here in, in Canada. You know, Marcel, I think I'm glad you're talking about your personal connection with the residential school experience. And and you and I have talked about it, but I don't think we've talked about it with the audience, sort of where it's taken you and the work that you do now. Because, I mean, you're not just some guy that we came across. I mean, you are and and you've been a valued voice, but you work in this. This is what you do, right? That trauma, that experience, that healing. That's the focus of your work these days, right? It is. um... I, I'm trying to uh, put the Indian back into the child, as it were. I mean, we've dealt with 156 so, or so years of of um, conservative government taking the Indian out of the child, dealing with the Indian problem. And we have about 50,000 kids in care across the country, and the majority of them are, not, are Indigenous, Métis, or Inuit. And so... Although the Indian residential school experience ended in 1996, it continues right now in child welfare services, right? They're mm-hmm. still kids. They're still taking up their kids. And so what I've done is I quit my job at the group homes, and I started my own company or companies. And uh, I opened up a group home here in Edmonton, which is uh, 100% Indigenous-owned. And uh, we 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 have uh, our, our business is based on the... Our seven sacred teachings, cultural language and ceremony. Everything we do is with the Aboriginal, with the Indigenous communities that the kids come from, 
and uh, we teach them their culture, language, and ceremonies. And at the same time, we're putting them through Western education and uh, getting them culture, getting them uh, counseling if needed or whatnot. And then um, on, a, on another note, we, I, I'm in partnership with uh, Frog Lake First Nation on building a youth treatment center, and we're getting close. It's been very hard. Um, we're doing it without any kind of government funding or support, So, but we're very close to opening uh, a 10-bed facility to help kids that are dealing with uh, addiction or trauma or, or any kind of abuse. So um, that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, that's my idea of, of truth and reconciliation is to help our children um, develop a positive identity about who they are and to uh, help them heal because they're experiencing the rippling effects of inter intergenerational trauma, right? Yeah, and I think that's the piece, Marcel, that you've taught me a lot about, and uh, we just had uh, Karen Snowshoe speaking about it as well. It's that intergenerational trauma piece. I've only got a minute before we have to take a break for the news, so I don't want to get into it, but I do want to to ask you about that and sort of define what it is and then how you see it translate. Because like you say, you do, right? The, the residential experience ended in 1996, but the kids you're dealing with today are um, experiencing that inter intergenerational trauma right now as we speak. Oh, for certain. Um, I don't know if it's something um, that we can deal with the Band-Aid. It's something that's going to take all of us as uh, community members or uh, right across this great nation to deal with. It doesn't matter our nationality. Um, what we are having in our communities is problems that are affected by intergenerational trauma, uh, drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse, all these things, and uh, they're impacting us in a negative way. So whatever we can do to address these issues as an individual, as a community, or as leaders, um, it, it starts with us as individuals. So we got to keep trying. Okay. What we need to do, we have to take a break for the 1030 News. When we come back, we'll start there. We'll talk about intergenerational trauma, and then uh, I, I want to talk to you about the papal visit and, and, and the path forward, more importantly. So stay where you are. We'll be back with uh, Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, when we come back after the 1030 News. <laughs> On this second National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, we're chatting with Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, about some of the issues around truth and reconciliation, some of the events that have taken place over the past year. And Marcel, I just want to, that intergenerational trauma piece, to me, that's the most interesting part and the, the thing I think I've learned the most about over the course of the past year. Just help us to understand that, because as you know, and you've heard it yourself, uh, a lot of people will say, oh, come on, it happened 50 years ago, get over it, move past it, whatever. I think we need to have a better understanding of, okay, yeah, maybe the, you know, grandfather or grandmother was in a residential school 50 years ago, but the trauma didn't end there and how it continues. Can you sort of explain how that trauma continues generation to generation to generation? Well, certainly um, um, my grandfather was in residential school when he came out of there. I asked my dad how come he was allowed to leave residential school at 14 years old. And my dad said, well, he was six foot two and 200 pounds, they couldn't stop him. <laughs> but you know, when he left the residential school, he left with, uh, with, uh, with no love, no care, um, constant yelling and beatings uh, for being native or what have you. Um, who knows what else? I mean, kids experience sexual abuse, uh, insults on the daily, starvation. 
and uh, loneliness, and then they take that home to them to their communities, um, and then that's that's part of their their uh, the way they bring their kids up. I know uh, my mom talked about my 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 grandpa was a gentle man, but if he was drinking or angry, he'd, he'd have these outbursts. And um, so my dad said, when one of them got out, got in trouble, they all got uh, a licking. That's his word. A licking. So 16 kids got in trouble for one. And I imagine that's what the residential school was like. Corporal punishment, if somebody got out of line, all of them got in trouble. And so that's being handed down in communities from uh, grandfathers to, to, or from fathers to sons to grandsons. Right, yeah. And, and I remember my dad used to have these uh, outbursts like that. Um, I never see my parents drink alcohol or do drugs. And they, they mostly, we mostly had a positive upbringing. My dad, however, would have these outbursts like that. And um, it wasn't until 1985, I think, that he got help from an elder that recognized what he was going through. And uh, we were working in, in Muskogee at that time, Louis Bo, and her name was um, Mrs. Roasting, Doris Roasting. And she told him, she said, you need help. You need help. <clears throat> and uh, she built a sweat lodge for him and took him to the sweat lodge. And um, when we were done, he talked about how he, he was reborn and how he felt refreshed and coming out of the sweat lodge because... Uh, he was going through some things there that we couldn't understand, and I imagine it's mental health issues now, fast-forwarding to today, um, with what he was dealing with. could have been depression or mental health. or I think he realized, probably when I was around 14 years old, that what he was going through or what he was doing as an angry person or expressing his anger in an unhealthy way wasn't the right way of doing things. And when the elder helped him, uh, I think that's when my dad changed and started to recognize that he needed to do something. And we each individuals need to figure out what that something is for ourselves. Well, that's the question I have, because once you have the understanding of, okay, I, I recognize how that trauma occurs and how it persists through the generations. The question is, how do you break that cycle and how do you change it? That's the work that you do. That's what you're talking about. And, and that's an individual experience. Is that what you're saying? There's no one size fits all? I believe so. I mean, uh, I, I, I carried out the same sta similar standard of teaching, albeit a little bit wilder, not watered down, same standard of parenting as, as my dad did. I would yell and uh, have these outbursts when I got angry um, to the point where it's affecting my well, my relationship with one of my sons today because he, he, he talked about that just the other day about me, about growing up. And uh, and it was difficult in the house sometimes when I get upset or or angry and have these outbursts. Uh, but it takes you have to recognize that in yourself as an individual, and uh, and it's difficult. I mean, at seven years old, uh, I was uh, sexual abused, and uh, I had no no nobody to uh, to reach out to, and so I suffered in silence a lot. I tried to reach out a couple times, but it was with very negative effects. And uh, when I became uh, an adult and a parent, um, uh, a police officer, right? Uh, I policed for several years, and then I started interviews 
uh, getting complaints of uh, children being uh, abused by their grandfather. And that really set me off. I don't know if I can talk about it too much to the files itself, but it really, it really uh, messed with my head having uh, several little girls coming to me and disclosing what was going on in their life. And it set me off, right? It set me off. Um, I had a downward spiral for a while, uh, dealing with some mental health issues, dealing with some suicidal thoughts, suicidal attempts, and um, and uh, I finally ended up leaving the police force after I, uh, I hurt my girlfriend. And um, it wasn't a very good time in my life, but I, I, I had to figure it out. I went home, and my dad helped me. He built me a sweat lodge, and, and that's probably my turning point. It wasn't easy, um, but it's a, it has to be a conscious decision on the individual to make those changes in their life. I went into counseling in Saskatoon. Uh, I did follow up with elders. I, I, I went to ceremony. I went to counseling. I went to anger management. I did all these things. And I still do them today because it just doesn't stop. Um, once you do counseling or something like that, it's not a magic fix. You, you don't get over things so quickly uh, or you don't get through things so quickly. So you have to keep working at it and finding ways to uh, maintain your uh, a healthy relationship with yourself and your family, keeping your, your, your medicine wheel balanced, so to speak. But I see the way you are with your grandkids on social media and how much time and energy and love you have for those kids um, and, and the work that you do within the community. And, and we know you care about the kids in the community and you want to. So how do you move from where you were? That's the that's the piece, Marcel. How do you go from where you were um, to, OK, now let's get let's get after it. And let's solve this problem, because that's where you seem to be now. Well, you just keep trying, right? Our, our elders. Uh, there's no way, real way to say give up in our in our in our language. <laughs> our elders and our, our our teachers, they tell us a couple of things: agamemnok and kayapume, like don't give up and keep moving forward, like never surrender, right? And so that's what we do. Um, we continue to go to ceremony. We continue to to reach out. We continue to help people. Uh, that need the need the help and uh, keep doing our good work. Uh, we had some great teachers, and my dad that's now passed away, and my mother, who just turned 80 the other day, and they are the two smartest people I know on this planet, and the two most generous and loving and and forgiving people on this planet. And part of part of my own healing was to was to forgive my abuser, um, even though he passed away. Before, uh, I had to do it after when he wasn't around on this planet, but um, part of healing is going to take forgiveness. And I know the chief, Chief Desjardins was on the other day, and he talked about that, talked about uh, the, the road to reconciliation and whatnot is going to take forgiveness uh, on both sides of the equation. Yeah. Okay. I need to take a break, Marcel. When we come back, I want to talk about the year, the papal visit, and uh, where do we need to go from here? We're chatting with Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, and we'll continue when we come back right after this. It's Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, on this second day of truth and reconciliation in Canada. And Marcel, just, I mean, the past year since, uh, you know, their first uh, truth and reconciliation day, so much has happened. So much has happened. How do you put it all into context? I mean, we had the uh, Indigenous delegation that went to Rome and met with the Pope, and then the Pope came here, and I think those are probably the two most 
you know, talked about events, but how do you put the past year into perspective? Well, I think it's a great first step. I mean, uh, we've been asking for this for a long time as uh, as uh, Native communities uh, looking towards healing, that we needed this horrible experience to be acknowledged, and I think it was. I mean, it, it's a good first step for the Pope to come here to meet with the communities and speak about it. Um, a lot of people don't feel that he uh, he apologized um, uh, enough or properly, but mm. at the same time, I think it's important to remember that um, we have to be sort of patient, and I think it's important for the Pope to gather information and to, to make a really uh, informed apology. That's just my own personal opinion. And, uh, and and I'm looking forward to what that might look like. I know the Pope talked about a, an investigation and whatnot, and, and people say that he should have enough knowledge based on 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 the church's involvement and the government's involvement in their any residential school experience. But I think cooler heads will prevail, and that the Pope will make a, a concerted effort and uh, based on their own investigation. It's going to happen. Um, when that happens, I don't know, but uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's a great first step. Um, okay, the first step, I think you're right, and I think a lot of people recognize it as that, but the continuing steps, where do we go from here? I mean, what, what, what's the focus for you? What do we need to be working on now? Well, healing. Um, healing is not an overnight thing, and some certain acknowledgments. Um, I, continue, I continually talk about shade that Native people are not part of the government structure of this country, even though it's our land, even though our resources hold up and prop up the country at all levels, whether it's federal, provincial, or municipal, and foreign interests. We're not at the table of any sort. Um, the government, uh, uh, in my personal opinion, half of this governance structure belongs to the Native people and the first the Native people right across this country in the legislature and the, and the federal parliament buildings um, and the law, lawmaking. You played a, a clip from the U of A about justice, and uh, we're not at that table. Our laws are not recognized. The two official languages of the country are English and French from across the big water. There's no Mi'kmaq, there's no Mohawk, there's no Nehel, there's no Ashnabi, you know? And, and and that's sad. So I think as 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 uh, going forward, we need to bring the Native communities into the fabric of Canada. We need to be part of that development. Like, um, explain people, that to me, though. I mean, we've got we've got the Assembly of First Nations. We've got ministers in every government involved with Indigenous issues. What 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 are you describing? What are you talking about? Well, I think uh, I, I think we need to restructure the governance structure of Canada. The ministers they don't represent us, and the, the federation of of, of native native uh, communities doesn't represent us. It doesn't truly really represent us, and we're not in the House of Commons, and we're not in the legislature. We should be across the floor from the Prime Minister of Canada, or maybe the Prime Minister of Canada and premiers need to be native people. But we're not, we don't have that true representation or involvement in the governance. And, and that's what needs to happen. We need to tear it down and rebuild it based on treaty. There's no treaty departments in all across Canada. 
Although everybody talks about treaty, lives within treaty, it's not really recognized. We're wards of the court, we're wards of the Alberta government, we're wards of the Canadian government, and we don't have true representation. And it's time to 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 uh, turn back the clock and, and start to start right from the beginning. What if John A. Macdonald and the, and the treaty people, at the beginning of uh, of governance? built a foundation based on treaty, based on mutual respect, and, and and represented all the people, you know, and I don't think the government represents a quarter of the people of this country, you know, and so that's something we really, really need to look at. There's, there's, it's, it wouldn't be the first time a country just dismantled their government and started over. I mean, that's a monstrous, monstrous, monstrous task, Marcel. And, and, and you know what? Maybe that's something that we do talk about and we do work towards. Um, in the short term, as you know, you're, the work that you're doing, what can the rest of the community... I mean, there's all kinds of events happening today and there's walks and ceremonies and all these sorts of things. But I think for a lot of people, the question is, okay, what do I do? I have an understanding now and I have a recognition. How do I help? How do I get involved? So how do we as a community, all of us, start working on this? Well, I think it's just a matter of getting out and getting involved. Um, it seems like uh, the, the non-native community is hesitant, uh, worried about reprisal, worried about not not fitting in or not being accepted. But like I said before in our many talks, Shay, that native people are very welcoming and they they, they understand tobacco. And if you if you don't if you want to learn. Pick up some tobacco and go to an event and meet with an elder and put it in their hand and hold their hand and ask them that you to teach you. One of my friends was uh, in Muscochise the other day. Her and her daughter, I think it was, and uh, they were standing there in their, their orange shirts and their their ribbon dresses. And a vehicle pulled over, and there was a, lady, a European lady that uh, wanted to meet them and introduce herself and talked about. How, how sad and sore she was for the residential school experience, et cetera. And that's a great first step. It takes courage. Uh, um, okay, but to, the important part, the important part, what was the response? When she did that, when she pulled over and, and said that, what was the response? Because I think, I mean, that's the part a lot of people wouldn't, I imagine she was welcomed with open arms, right? She was welcomed with open arms. She was greeted. She was hugged. She, uh, they thanked her for stopping. They thanked her for, for for expressing herself, and they gifted her, I think, some beaded earrings. Um, but that's uh, that's what it takes. I mean, you you took a great first step to come out and meet with us and, and sit with us and listen. I mean, you were you were you you probably had to uh, work up some courage sure. to do that. You know, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you extended the invitation and I had, you're right. It's kind of like first, it wasn't like I was scared, but it was kind of like, how, how am I going to be viewed? You know, am, am I, am I the problem? Am I going to be welcomed? Are people going to be resentful? All of these sorts of things you don't know. But like I say, when I did that and I met with you and the group that you were with, uh, yeah, absolutely welcomed with open arms. I think it changed my wife's life when she met you guys, to be completely honest with you and, and, and the impact that you had on her and just by, you know, just by being with her. So I think I was absolutely shocked by the way that it went. And it, it's the kind of thing that I think if we can somehow do that for everybody, Marcel, we could change this thing. Well, that's the magic in, in being loving and open and kind, right? Uh, um, I, I think we all have it in our heart. Uh, we're born we're born to love and um, 
We have to unlearn some of these behaviors, but we also have to be willing to take a risk. We also have to be willing to, that we may experience some level of hurt or, or, or difficulty in trying to, to um, get through this truth and reconciliation experience and relationship. Relationships aren't always easy. They're not always sunshine and rainbows. But if you come from a place of mutual love and respect, then it's going to be a great experience. And I think if you're in and around the city, uh, partake in some of the events that are going on. Learn about the Native cultures that are going on around, that, that thrive around the city of Edmonton or Treaty 6, 7, and 8. Just step out of your comfort zone. You know, it's not just about orange t-shirts. It's about uh, relationships and meeting people and making friends. Uh, we don't always have to agree on things to, to get along. We can still have mutual respect, you know? Yeah, I th that's the key. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, and I don't want to discount the orange shirt day or anything like that, but I think you're right. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to wear the orange shirt today and look at me. I'm part... It, it, it's so much more than that, and it's so simple to do, and it's so positive for everybody involved. Uh, last question, Marcel. It's been a year. Um, are we better off? Are we in a better place? Like you say, it's a good first step, and I guess that's something we can take and say, okay, you know what? Uh, we've made a little bit of progress, maybe. I think so. I mean, uh, every day we have to wake up and uh, take on the new day and take on the challenges that day, day brings. You know, last night I attended the Emmy Lazard School, and they did a really wonderful presentation. Um, there was a, a young man, Dallas Arkan, that played piano and guitar and the flute and danced. And, uh, and then the children there uh, uh, were dancing and doing poetry. And, and there was a time when we weren't allowed to express ourselves. We weren't allowed to practice our culture, and we weren't allowed to sing or dance or sundance or attend sweat lodge. It was illegal, and it cost us either jail time or our life. So I think we as a community in, in Canada or, or Turtle Island have come a long way. I, you know, I want to I shout out to my friends, Amanda Wanich and uh, Sheena, and uh, they're up in uh, Paris right now and now uh, in uh, international uh, Indigenous modeling. And uh, so they're setting uh, new standards and breaking barriers for Indigenous women. They were in New York and now they're in Paris, and I think that's great. Um, and I think each and every one of us as individuals, we have to keep trying and keep moving forward in our own healing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think Canada is in a better place. I think the leadership uh, needs to do more and, and find more understanding because sometimes it can feel like just words and, and actions speak volumes. And uh, I think uh, I want to thank you, especially you. You, uh, you have such an open mind, such an open heart when it comes to Indigenous issues, and your 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 your, uh, your listeners are the same way. And uh, I really enjoy coming on and talking about these issues. My mom is in uh, in Slave Lake today. She's she's uh, doing a pipe ceremony um, for the ladies there. Uh, there'll be women there that were in Indian residential school. Uh, and their families, and I believe they'll be doing the walk. So I think uh, if, if a little old lady that's 80 now uh, that went to residential school, um, if she can work through those hardships and, and forgive people, I think we can learn from that, each and every one of us, right? Yeah. And it's all on our own time. It's all It's all in different times, but... I think the more we recognize that there needs to be healing 
in our communities and, and we work together um, in leadership and community to bring healing to the to these individuals that need it, then we'll be much better off. Next year, I think we'll have more to say and more to talk and, and more uh, And between now and then, Marcel, you and I will talk often. Uh, as you know, always welcome here. Uh, and I, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I really appreciate you coming on. The audience loves your perspective, loves hearing from you. So um, be well, my friend, and, and thanks again for joining us today. Okay, Shane. And ask one cocktail. Thanks, sir. That is Marcel Descharlais, Golden Eagle, um, a voice of, of reason for us, I think, around all of these conversations. I really appreciate his time. We're going to have a conversation today with uh, some special guests and just talk. It's been such an eventful year. If you think about everything that's gone on thus far in our country around truth and reconciliation, of course, we had the papal visit and, and the discovery of um, the unmarked graves uh, in several locations across the country. So there's been a lot of conversation around this and maybe a good time to sort of sit back and take a look at where we started, where we've come and where we still need to go. So joining us to help us with that conversation today, we have Dr. Crystal Fraser, who's an assistant professor in the Faculty of Native Studies at the and the Faculty of Arts at the U of A. We have Chief Greg Desjardins from Frog Lake First Nation and Paul Custer, a Calgary writer, comedian, former broadcaster and an Indigenous advocate. First of all, all three of you, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. I really do appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Uh, Why don't we just start sort of summing up the year? I know there's been so much, it's not going to be easy, but it's uh, been a lot happening. Um, What, what, what do you think has been accomplished? What sort of progress has been made? Chief Dejerle, let's start with you. If you look back at the year and I know you were involved in the papal visit, where do you think we've come in the past 12 months? Well, uh, first of all, I'm uh, thankful to be on the call. Um, I think uh, what's important uh, is for non-Indigenous Canada and the world to see the truth and uh, what our people have have gone through. You know, when we look back at, at a treaty, the promise was to share the land in peace. And uh, our people have been through so much atrocities and... Uh, it's only a matter of time that the truth shall come out because uh, we, we forget when, when, when we, uh, we, we do these oaths, it's under the eye of our God or a creator, we call him. You know, and I think that moving forward, you know, there has to be, the truth has to be told before there can be reconciliation. And uh, with the Pope coming, that's a start. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to forgive in order to heal. But that does not not mean that the government, the church, have to own up to their wrongs. You have to own up to it when you're wrong. When a child is wrong, he has to own up. So that's the same same dilemma we're in here. And, and I think this is only a start. You can put on an orange shirt, you know, but it, it, it's more than just an orange shirt. These These kids that were found where somebody's kids, grandkids, brothers, sisters, you know, and uh, to me, it, it, it's like a, it's like a, a crime scene, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, and I am raw. I'm to the point. I don't hold back because you know what? We're, 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 uh, we're not talking about it. And what are the next steps? 
Right. Yeah. And we'll get to that. We definitely that I want to spend a lot of time talking about that because I think you're right, Chief. That's that needs to be our focus. But, Paul, let's take a look back at the year, because like we say, there's been so much happen. Um, If you sort Mm. of chart back, you know, last summer was the discovery of the unmarked graves at the Kamloops Residential School. And that sort of sparked off this entire discussion. So if you take a look back at what we've seen and what we've accomplished, if we've accomplished anything over the past 12 months, how would you sum it up? Well, first of all, I, I just want to say, uh, Shay, uh, I listen to your show, and I appreciate the work that you do. Thank you. Um, so I want to th- thank you for having me. And I'd also like to say and give a big virtual hug to uh, Chief Greg and to Crystal. Uh, I'm in very, very, uh, uh, very cool companies. So this is a great opportunity to, to discuss these things. Um, when the Kamloops thing uh, happened and when it was broadcast all over the, all over the news, uh, I was... It was like a gut punch. And uh, the, the reality is, is that our people have known this for a decade. Mm-hmm. My, uh, I'm originally from Beardies and Okamasis at Duck Lake in Saskatchewan. And my uncle Charlie, before he passed away, uh, and I'm part of the 60 Scoop. So um, when I finally met my biological family, a big missing piece of my life was put together. And when I, uh, when I uh, talked with him, uh, and he went to St. Mike's on our reserve, and he told me years ago about the number of kids that had disappeared and that, were, that had died, and they took them out and buried them. So our people have known this within our communities for many, many years, uh, but the broader indig- non-Indigenous community never knew. And I get people saying to me, uh, well, where is the proof? And right. I'm like, yeah. The, yeah, and I get that all the time. And I say, well, we've got, we've got the witnesses, the people themselves, the, 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 uh, the, the kids uh, who are now adults, obviously, uh, that were forced to uh, go and dig graves in the middle of the night to bury, to bury kids. And so, so much has happened. Uh, and you, you mentioned the, the papal visit. Okay, and that's a start. But the thing is, it ain't reconciliation if it feels good. And at least... Shay, we've opened the door to start Interesting. talk. Yeah, to start talking about and 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 facing up to it. Good. Yeah, great point. And you know what, um, Crystal, Paul makes a point that I think might be my biggest takeaway, at least for the early stages of this after the Kamloops discovery was. Yeah, well, if you'd just been listening for the past many, many years, you would have known this. We've all known this. You just didn't pay attention. Do you think maybe, if nothing else, it's kind of like. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe we should just listen more. Oh, uh, 100%, Shay. And and I just want to echo what Paul said, that this is such a pleasure to be in, in this sort of company this morning. And, and I, going back to uh, one of Greg's comments, that, you know, we are still in this truth-seeking phase that, you know, yes, truth and reconciliation uh, go together. But my observation over the last... Um, 14 or 15 months is is that Canadians are are very quick to jump to the reconciliation bit and and although that that is positive we need that we still need to better understand the truth and you know as has been said for decades now Indigenous communities and survivors have have known about these things and I mean even the way that we talk about reconciliation 
Um, that term has only been used right in the last 15 or 20 years. And, and so we've been holding government and churches to account mm-hmm. the best that we can um, for for over over a hundred years, right? And and there were policies in place, such as the Indian Act, continues to be in place today, um, as residential schools, such as other forms of genocide, that perhaps historically pre- prevented us from from being you know front and center in the media. Um, but when we look over this past year. You know, we we have had um, the work of ground penetrating radar. We have had communities taking on this this hard work themselves. And I mean, one question that I've heard communities say is like, why do we have to do this? Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we've we've been through enough and and now we have to jump through the hoops and apply for funding. Now we have to re-traumatize our people like where where is the help um but as mentioned you know the papal visit um and and also the death of the queen and and really like conversations that are probably very hard for settler canadians to think about and to have talking about the doctrine of discovery yes. talking about the head of state representations of of colonization so so i think that while we're on the right track there's still a lot of progress that needs to be made um paul crystal uh, Chief Desjardins, I need to take a quick break. Stay where you are. We'll come back. And I want to talk to you about that because I think it's been a very enlightening year for people like me. And you mentioned the papal visit and the queen and the doctrine and, and all the rest. I think we've learned a lot. So I want to ask you about what you think uh, has been sort of brought to light and, and where we might go from here when we come back right after this. We're speaking with Paul Custer who is a writer and a comedian, former broadcaster and Indigenous advocate. We're speaking with Dr. Crystal Fraser, an assistant professor in the Faculty of Native Studies and Arts at the University of Alberta, and Chief Greg Desjardins of Frog Lake First Nation. Um, there's so much to get into. I just, I, I want to ask you about the papal visit. And, and Chief, I know you were part of that. I know you had family members with you as you greeted the Pope. Um, just how important was that? What does that signify on Canada's road to truth and reconciliation? Is it a signpost? Is it just something that had to happen? I mean, how, how do you put it into perspective? Well, first of all, everybody is unique and different in the world. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. Um, I was honored to be there with my mother who turns 80 tomorrow. And, you know, for, for her to hear the apology is important for her healing journey. I know there's many people that were upset. There's many people that didn't like it, but there was many people that did enjoy it and did like it. I was in Lake St. Anne. You could feel the love. You know, as human beings, we have to decide when we want to heal. But part of healing is forgiving. And uh, if you ain't going to forgive, you'll stay stuck and you could get sick. You know, but the papal visit is only a first step mm-hmm. to reconciliation, to healing. I think about the kids that were found in these unmarked graves and the ones that never got to hear it. But I believe that uh, when we heal as a human, our ancestors heal as well. And, and I think it's a, it's a great first step to... Uh, reconciliation and only to ask what is next from the Canadian government and the, the church. And, we'll, and we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Dr. Fraser, 
um, the papal visit, does that end the discussion? Because, you know, that was a big part. When we were doing this throughout the year prior to the papal visit, people I heard from said, this, we need this. We need this apology. It's part of the process of healing. Does that close the door to that component of this path that we're all walking? Um, you know, I I don't think it closes the door. Um, I actually think maybe it, it opens it more for for some more conversations, more communication. And and so I definitely agree that like a lot of survivors, intergenerational survivors and indigenous communities, um, you know, may have experienced a lot of uh, healing. They may have let go pain by by simply hearing that apology, which you know, on on April 1st from Vatican City, and then again here in July at Muscochis. Um, and so I, I don't downplay the uh, seriousness um, of, of that apology and, and that moment. But, you know, I also think there are bigger conversations to be had, such as, um, you know, how the Pope handled the visit, how the Canadian government handled the visit, you know, uh, paving roads, you yeah, know, the day yeah. before, spending millions of dollars. Um, additionally, some of the words that the Pope said, such as, you know, the Catholic Church needs to investigate what happened. Well, well we already had a multi-million dollar <laughs> yeah. investigation we know called what the happened. PRC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, interestingly, my colleague, uh, Matthew Wildcat at the University of Alberta, he, he wrote a piece um, suggesting that maybe it's, it's time that Indigenous communities rethink our, our overall relationship with the Catholic Church. Um, and I mean, I, I have also said that in, in relationship to the monarchy. Um, and, and so I think that the Pope's tour was, was definitely a good thing. But mm-hmm. um, again, I think, I think it's a starting point. Paul, what about you? I mean, you watched it all unfold. And, uh, what, what were your thoughts? What were your impressions of it? Oh, boy. Uh, con- conflicting views. Conflicting views. Because um, I, I understand uh, the, the uh, sacredness of that position uh, within the Catholic Church. I mean, he, he's, uh, the Pope is supposed to be God's uh, representative here on Earth. So right. that's, a, that's a powerful position. Um, and I agree with what Crystal just said, though. The, um, uh, the, the words that he spoke, and I, I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, um, I think in a way he deflected a little bit when he said, you know, this was just a, uh, uh, a, a percentage or a small, uh, you know, a few bad apples that perpetrated these things. Didn't he say something he along those lines? He some things. He did. He definitely did, yes. And, 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 the, and the thing is, this was, I mean, it was instituted hand-in-hand. Uh, hand. The, the church and the state, they went into uh, this whole thing about residential schools together because mm-hmm. they saw us, and, and, as we all know, they called us savages, they called us heathens, uh, they, they treated us as uh, inferiors. And, and that was, um, so the, that, I don't think that flies, that, that it, was a, uh, it was a small number. I, it, it, it was a huge number, because we had uh, so many of these schools across the country. Now, the apology, that's, I, I accept his apology. That's a good start, but where do we go from here? And, and I don't want the door to be closed, and I agree with Crystal. I think it opens the door more. And we really have to uh, think now, where do we go from here in terms of 
the indigenous community and these institutions like the church, like the monarchy. How do we deal with that? Because this all stems from colonialism. This all comes from somewhere. And, uh, and, and of course, we, we've seen the impacts that it's had within our communities. And, um, but the, the other thing that I find really interesting is uh, the, the royal proclamation and King, uh, I, I think it was King George III at that time, uh, when they came here to Canada, um, they entered into an agreement, like they, uh, in, in, their, um, uh, in their official records, they recognized us as being sovereign nations with our own languages and that we had to be dealt with as equals. And that was back from 1763, and not a lot of people know that, yeah. that it actually started off on, 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 a, on mutual respect. And then, of course, it got uh, went somewhere uh, turned aside. It went completely somewhere yeah. else. So, and, and so I think people need to uh, realize that we got off on, on the right foot, um, but things went sideways, including with the church. Um, and you say, where do we go from here? And I think that's the focus. We're going to take a quick break for the 1130 News. When we come back, that's where we'll put our attention. Where do we go from here? Let's put this year behind us and talk about where we need to go, because there's a lot of room that we have to cover still. So we'll do that when we come back right after this. We're having a roundtable discussion on truth and reconciliation in Canada, where we've come over the past year. And now we're going to talk about where we still have to go. Joining us to have this conversation, we have Chief Greg Desjardins of the Frog Lake First Nation, Dr. Crystal Fraser, who's an assistant professor at the Faculty of Native Studies and the Faculty of Arts at the U of A, and Paul Custer, a Calgary writer, comedian, former broadcaster, and Indigenous advocate. And you had a couple of things that you thought were important, Paul, things we need to be turning our attention to as we move forward, um, taking a look where we were, but there's still so much work left to be done. What do we need to be focused on now? Um... Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, there, there's just so much. Uh, I, I, I was just uh, uh, reading through the Beyond 94. Uh, I don't know if you heard uh, uh, about that. And it's this publication about what has actually been accomplished with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's uh, 94 calls to action. We've only achieved a very small number of those. And it's such a wide spanning uh, spectrum of hardcore issues that face our communities, like uh, uh, child welfare, um, uh, the, the social ills that still plague our communities and I only have to mention now the the name Saskatchewan because we know what went down uh, on Labor Day weekend with the Sanderson uh, brothers mm-hmm. those those guys were products of of intergenerational trauma because yeah. it turned out that miles as we all know now he was abused by his parents then he got taken away and he was abused by his grandparents that this is so typical within our communities um, that there's a movement called bring a, bring the children home uh, based out of Saskatchewan that I have uh, 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 participated in and uh it's it's wonderful um to 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 think of bringing our children back to our communities but you have to think what are we bringing them back to because there's still rampant poverty there's still uh boil water advisories there uh crystal meth is overtaking a lot of our small communities so how do you tackle that well that's part of truth and reconciliation and these calls to action um the, 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 do- the documents are great, but what is actually being done? Um, and d- do we solve it by pumping more money? Because sometimes when you pump money into things, it, it goes to administration costs and it just, it just gets watered down. And do- are we actually, in the end, are we actually helping, is it helping? the people? Yeah. 
Uh, Chief, what about that? Um, you're the chief of Frog Lake First Nation, and I'm sure a lot of the issues that Paul is outlining and we've heard about affect your community too. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, when you look at uh, these survivors and the, the generational trauma, it's a learned behavior. So so, so if you're sexually abused and you, you're, you're taught that behavior is normal, you bring that home to your reserve mm-hmm. and, and you carry that on, that's, that's the generational trauma. You know, you're passing that on to your family. And and then it's deemed normal. That that's where a lot of things are stem from is the residential school. You know, you look at that movie Indian Horse where that kid gets his braids cut off and soap thrown at them. You hear these stories. You're at the whelm. You're at the whelm of the 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 school, the the nuns, the priests, a six five six year old. Here you have to act like an adult. You know, and I think money is 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 a is a start. You know, in Frog Lake, I get two hundred thirty six thousand per housing per year for a thirty four hundred band member list. We have four hundred plus homes. If it wasn't for our oil and gas company, we wouldn't have built the homes we have. You know what? What our people need is these workshops a lot of people lost their parenting skills even yeah, my friends yeah. you look at that remand center there, there's no correction in that our people need these facilities to heal as a family unit and you're exactly right my friend in calgary when are we going to bring our kids home that's why i say is the government really there to help us or they're there to keep us down you know when you look at the resources of alberta first nations don't benefit we're the poorest sobs around and now we are beggars in our own country, you know, and, and all the things that are against us, you know, uh, it, it, we're, we live in poverty, but we are so resilient and kind, it's been taken advantage of time and time again. You know, so I think we, we have to look at programming. We have to look at housing, infrastructure. We're 50, 60 years behind any town, any municipality, you know, and th- that that's part of the... The, the devolution process that's always existed where we're out of the child. That's still the, the agenda of the, of the government here in Canada. Um, Dr. Fraser, Chief Desjardins makes a point that I think is really vital. Um, some of just... I don't know if it's an education program he's alluding to or I'm thinking of um, just those resources that he says are lacking in some of the communities because they were taken away for so many generations. How important is it to try and to reinstall some of that, you know, like he's talking about breaking that cycle through education? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was um, former TRC commissioner, um, Marie Sinclair, who said that education got us into this problem right, and education right. is going to get us out of this problem. And and he's talked about looking seven generations ahead in that regard. Um, and, and so that is definitely one of the key points. But, you know, something that Greg just said, you know, is the government there to help us or is it there to bring us down? Like, like I literally got goosebumps when he said that because it it is so true and there is change needed across the board um, in a systemic way and 
So, you know, we look at healthcare. The death of Joyce Eshaquan continues to make headlines in the news. Um, we look at First Nations and other Indigenous communities not having access to clean drinking water. Um, we look at, you know, the fundamentally um, white supremacist. Uh, nature of, of policing bodies such as the RCMP. Um, but we also look at other things, you know, provincially, there has been a lot of backlash around around new curriculum, you know, how are we teaching settler Canadian children about these things? Um, and then additionally, you know, back to the 94 calls to action that yeah. that pre Kamloops, um, you know, sort of eight or show, nine, Eight or nine of those had been implemented yeah. um, post Kamloops, you know, including the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, a federal holiday um, that was implemented. And, and we're now five or six more calls to action further along. Um, but for instance, you know, it took it took a couple of days to get a national holiday to mourn the death of Queen Elizabeth, where it took years and years and years of advocacy um, just to recognize Orange Shirt Day on September 30th. Yeah, you, you all make such wonderful points. I'm going to take one more final break, uh, and then we'll come back and continue the discussion uh, right after this. Stay tuned. Chief Greg Desjardins of Frog Lake First Nation, Paul Custer, who is a writer in Calgary, a comedian, former broadcaster, and an Indigenous advocate, and Dr. Crystal Fraser, an assistant professor at the Faculty of Native Studies and the Faculty of Arts at the University of Alberta. Uh, Dr. Fraser, um, an, I think all of you might have mentioned it at some point through our discussion this morning, the monarchy and how it fits into this. And of course, we all know with the death of the Queen, this has been a topic that's been talked about in our country. I mean, in terms of how it fits into the whole truth and reconciliation, it plays a role, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does for sure. And I mean, you know, the reality is, is that uh, King Charles III, um, you know, he is still the head of state of, of Canada. And, and as we look pa- in the past, um, at the reign of, of Queen Elizabeth, and then of course um, her forecomers and and ancestors. I mean, really, we we have a long history of of a relationship with the crown. Um, I mean, of course, the things that we think about are the negotiation and the signings of treaties, um, how we came up with land agreements. But, you know, additionally, over the last 150 years, we, we've also had a lot of things um, that, that have happened with, with the British Empire as the head of state in Canada. And, and that included, you know, forced starvation policies on the plains, forced relocations of Inuit in the north, uh, broken treaty promises, of course, residential schools, uh, forced sterilizations, etc. And, and so... I mean, do I think that, you know, Queen Elizabeth is, is responsible right. for, for all of these things as a person? Uh, no, I don't. Do I think that the British monarchy has a responsibility to, um, to step up and to work with the Canadian government in this way? Absolutely. And Paul, you mentioned that too. What, I mean, is, is that your thinking as well? There is a role for the monarchy to play here to try and restore you know, that reconciliation that we talk about. Well, yeah, it's it's hard to, uh, no pun intended, to reconcile because um, the the monarchy um, the, 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 this is all born out of imperialism and colonialism. 
So was uh, Queen Elizabeth, was she personally responsible? No. Was she uh, uh, an evil-minded person? No. Um, But it's what that crown represents. And I think think, uh, King Charles now, uh, he has a responsibility to take an active role to change our what happened in our past so that we can move forward in this spirit of truth and reconciliation and i think he has to own up to the truth about their legacy um as, as being uh being a monarchy so what does that mean for for our people and 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 the british crown um I think there is repair work that needs to be done. Um, And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he takes an actual active role and and makes it a priority. But I'm not sure if he's ever going to do that. Right. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Chief, are we better off in September of 2022 than we were in 2021? Have we, have we taken some meaningful steps? I, I recognize there's a long way to go yet, but are we better off? Well, I would say it's one step. You know, uh, are we better off? Um, it's hard to say. You know what? And I, I think that, uh, you know what, uh, when you look at the world and what's happening at the world and, and uh, the, the power struggles and, uh, you, you know, the big countries, and, and you look at, you guys were talking about the monarchy. Yeah. And, yeah. and, we, and we talk about, when we uh, entered into a, a peace treaty, you know, uh, we have different versions of that. You know, we were we we never ceded or surrendered our land. You know, and, and our our kindness was taken advantage of, and our land was pillaged. And uh, Canada is built off uh, the First Nations resources of Alberta. You know, when we signed the treaty, it, it was the depth of the plow. Now it's First Nations who can only put a garden now. And, 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 and everybody benefits off the natural resources except First Nations. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we're, we're, like, again, we're so far behind. And, uh, you, you know what, uh, and you, you look at, the, you know, the, the Queen, and, and you look at all all her entourage and all the gold and all the palace and all that they have, that's, that's rightfully the First Nations people. They're supposed to be our partner. And uh, you know what? Uh, they have to stand up and help us. They have to take their rightful place and own up that, uh, you know, to their responsibility. What does that look like, Chief? Uh, give me, give me, a, give me a you know a concrete specific that you're talking about that would that would indicate that's happening. Well, you you look at First Nations; they have no police force, they have no hospitals, they have no uh, ambulance. There's maybe four, three to five in Alberta that have their own police force. Look what happened in, in to James Smith. Yeah, you know what? There's there's a lot of. Uh, social ills on, on First Nations. There's no economy. I got kids 18 to, to 30 in Frog Lake, 800. So the government sends 30 to school. What do the other one, the other hundreds of kids do? You know, like, we're just so far behind. Each reserve has one store to provide milk and bread, you know, and gas. And, and there's no economy. So mm-hmm. the world has to see what's happening and, and say, wow, 
we created this mess. How do we help them? Hmm. You know, and, and then you say, is throwing money at the, it's part of the solution. But you know what? We we want to stop the generational trauma as much as the next person in 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 uh, in, in our nations. We don't we don't want to touch course, each other and abuse each other. We we want to see like I'm a Muslim. I'm a grandfather. I got I got grandchildren. I stopped that generational trauma by not putting my hand on them. You mean and that's visible. And I noticed that that it's up to us. That's wrong. What we were showing over there is wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, uh, I, I, uh, go ahead. I, I just, uh, <laughs> it's uh, overwhelming to, to hear what uh, Chief Greg just said, because he's dealing with it uh, on a daily basis. And uh, he, he, he's right. We're, we're so far behind um, and and that's that is a, a true tragedy. It really is because there's tragedies that happen every single day in our communities. And um, um, how how do we how do we move forward on this? Well, this whole truth and reconciliation thing uh, it's become such a, a buzz term. Um, but I, for myself personally, I truly believe in it. And um, it takes th- this this stuff has been happening to our people for. Uh, over 200 years now, and you're, you're, Shay, you asked a great question. You know how, how we made have we made progress in this past right. year? Man, my friend, we've just only begun, and it takes a long time to heal, and it takes a long time to clean up the mess. But I'm hoping, I'm trying to be positive that that we've started that work. But man, it's going to take. Uh, a very, very long time, but we have to start somewhere. And people need to realize what's happening in our communities. That's why um, I, I loved what uh, what Greg has said and what uh, Crystal has said. And uh, I, yeah, I'm just uh, uh, overwhelmed. Well, you know what? You make such a great point, Paul. It, it's going to take, it took a long time to get to this point. It's going to take a long time to reverse it. I think you're right, but we need to be aware of where we're going. And and Dr. Fraser, there's so many different components, and I'm glad that you're all here. We've got lived experience. We've got academia. We've got, and it's going to take all of these different components, all these different voices, all these different points of view to sort of get us to where we need to go, isn't it? I mean, it, all these voices are needed and welcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think there is for sure a place in this conversation for for everyone, for Indigenous youth, for elders, for leadership, but but also for settler Canadians. Like it's it's your time to stand up also, right? Um, And, you know, last week here in Edmonton, it was the special interlocutor um, on residential school missing children and unmarked graves. It was the office of the special interlocutors conference um and and that was a really special time um but you know to prepare for that because this is also incredibly heavy work like like not only when we think about residential schools but when we think about the work that needs to be done we we need to be taking care of ourselves while we're doing this um and so one of the things an elder had said to me is is that as we do this work this is really a gift um we are in the position where where we are the ones who survived, um, where where we are the ones who who carry you know ancestral strength and community strength. We are the ones um, who, who who now 
bear this responsibility um, in in order to make this happen. And and I suppose this is like one of the differences is um, I'm sure Greg and Paul agree that that our work is is not an eight to five Monday through Friday yeah. thing. That we go home and and we live these problems and and the conversations never really stop. Um, I only have a minute left, but I'd like to, uh, to give each of you uh, 15 or 20 seconds if you can sum it up. I can't thank you enough for being here, but um, Chief Desjardins, uh, is there a message that you can just put out there in 15 or 20 seconds that sort of encompasses this conversation? I know that's a ridiculous question. Well, under the Creator's eye, we're all His children. Even though we're different shades on the outside, we all are the same on the inside. It's about time that we walk together and look at each other as human beings. Paul? Uh, first off, I uh, just want to say, uh, uh, Chief Greg and Crystal, love you guys. Uh, keep up the good fight. Uh, Shay, thank you so much for uh, bringing this to light. And we have to stay positive. We have to stand together, including the non-Indigenous communities. And Dr. Fraser. Absolutely. Everyone here is just amazing. Thank you, Shay. And I would say to everyone, go buy your orange shirt. Go plan what September 30th looks like for you. There's going to be lots of stuff locally going on. Check out 150 Acts of Reconciliation on Active History if you're looking for ideas. Uh, Dr. Crystal Fraser from University of Alberta, Chief Greg Desjardins of Frog Lake First Nation, and Paul Custer, an Indigenous Indigenous advocate out of the city of Calgary. I can't thank the three of you enough. Just fabulous. Uh, Great insight. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.